We're doing that Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yes, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets, episode 180. That's a ton of podcast episodes. Staying alive. We fought through so many changes. We fought through so many BS news headlines with the Nets. We fought through losing streaks and different coaches and different players, COVID, vaccines, every other thing. And we still here, never left. Talking Nets, 180. Keith McPherson, Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn. It's a good time to be a Nets fan. Nets fans are feeling it. I mean, the Warriors came to Brooklyn last year. It was a different vibe. I remember being in there and vividly seeing a bunch of little kids with Steph jerseys. I remember seeing a whole section of Warriors fans. I remember seeing these fans decide to chant MVP, MVP at the end of the game. And then when I went home, and I saw the clip, I'm like, damn, they played that up on TV. They must have cranked the volume up. TV production was like, hey, get the mics over there. MVP, we do that for KD in the block, Section 1, Brooklyn Brigade. That's standard. They try to make it seem like Warriors fans took over our building and had Nets fans chanting MVP. No, sir, our Nets world has been built. Robin Lumberg, how's it going? Well, they're chanting, um, your teammate punched you or Draymond punched you. To Jordan yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> last night. But oh my gosh. We've been talking about it. We're now in a little bit of a run of saying, hey, doing good. The Nets are, the Nets are playing well. About to start using the C word with the Nets. You know, I, I'm, I'm sticking with the Q word for now, quality. But I'm getting close to the C word and contenders. I'm excited to see if we can be contenders. I think I think uh, these next couple games, I think that's the the real test. We've, I think, made it pretty clear that we are not, uh, you know, the kind of team that's going to be overly competitive uh, playing against the lower echelon of the teams in uh, the Eastern Conference, which is, you know, the teams we have just absolutely ran through on this fairly extended winning run. It's not, uh, you know, the craziest undefeated winning streak anyone's ever seen, but it's been great. And obviously it's been against subpar teams, but now we get the test against the real teams. And I think, I think if we can get through this test looking good, and I'm not even saying that means only wins. I think, I think we can start to use the C word. The Bucks lost last night. We'll get to that. The Celtics lost last night and they're on a three game skid. We'll get to that. But let's talk about a few different things before we get into the game. Can I see what Colin Cowherd had to say? Known hater. Colin Cowherd, who asked you? We wanted the national media. We got it. Colin chimed in last night at 10.07 p.m. after he saw the Nets absolutely smoke the Warriors, who the national media loves. He says, can't believe people are buying into the Brooklyn Nets again. NBA fans like those cryptos bros. Burn them repeatedly. They just come back for more. Want to believe so badly. Hashtag Bucks or Celtics win East. Colin, listen to me, bro. I got respect for you as a radio guy. I've followed you for years from ESPN to FS1. Your daughter is fine. She's a little baddie. All the players going to know her name in a couple years. 
You need to do less, especially when it comes to proclamations, predictions around the Brooklyn Nets. It smells like you're hating. Quit hating. There's no need for this. Go ahead, Robin. It doesn't bother me, man. Like, you know, look, in fact, I, I kind of embrace it a little bit. First of all, Colin is objectively good at his job, right? Like, we get it. He's great. And second of all, I understand why people would feel that way about the Nets. Like, I, I do. Given the last however many years, you know, we, we had scary. I had a scary hour shirt. That didn't work out very well. You we know, sold a bunch of them. <laughs> you know, proclaiming championships before they happen and all that. So I, I get why there's skepticism. And that's fine. I, I think that's actually healthy in a sense because I, I think it's on the Nets to prove people wrong. And if they prove people wrong, it'll be sweet. Because people don't like this team. I mean, that's that's just the truth. I think from the, the 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 broad standpoint, the Nets have become a meaningful franchise over the last however many years. Where you'll see their gear, you know, you'll see more Nets gear in a random arena than you will Knicks gear in a random arena. You know, Nets world means something. So the, the Nets are now a relevant franchise. But you still have a bunch of people rooting against them and, and rooting for their failure. And that's not just Knicks fans, but, you know, people in the media, people who want to see the drama, as we've talked about a lot. In fact, I shared a, a text in my SI group chat earlier today, which was just a stat. Kevin Durant right now is averaging 30 points a game, and his true shooting percentage is, what is the number here, uh, 67.2% which would be the highest true shooting percentage by a player to average 30 points in a season in NBA history. I just share that. And then, you know, I get a bunch of the other way because that's how people don't say anything good about them. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I do get it. I do understand it. It's probably why KD said we got to jump through all these hula hoops and stuff uh, or fi- flaming hula hoops in order to get recognition. By the way, KD shooting 56% on pull-up jump shots. You know, and Kyrie didn't play last night. They still put up 91 points in, in a half. So as long as the Nets 125 are... 125 and three quarters. <laughs> as long as the Nets are playing well, taking care of business, and then get a couple of those signature marquee wins, which would be nice if it starts with the Bucks. then I, I don't care what anybody says. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the net, it's the Nets' job to prove, prove people wrong, right? At this point, I mean... You know, we talked about this with Kyrie, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me a third time, doesn't matter. The Nets are in the position to be the team that is going to continue to fool everybody. I I remember going back two seasons ago talking about, you know, oh, we've got scary hours. We're going to beat the Warriors regular season win total record. It's going to be and the Nets. Look, it's fair to say that they've underachieved during this era. And so I don't blame and obviously Con Cowher is doing it because He has very specific motivations behind promoting his show, promoting his content. He has been a a rage bait uh, merchant for all of his career. And like you guys said, he's very good at it. Uh, But to a certain extent, he's right. The Nets have the responsibility to prove people wrong. Kevin Durant has the responsibility to prove people wrong. But Robin, what I find interesting with what what you shared about your, your group chat text is it's interesting because there's this connection between people conflating Kevin Durant's individual greatness and the Nets team's successes and failures. And to a certain extent, of course, they're linked. And to a certain extent, that link can be detrimental. We saw Kevin Durant request a trade. And one of the reasons why was because he was not interested in being, you know, the sole reason that the Nets are going to succeed or are going to fail. But what I think people are failing to notice is that we are in the midst of an older Kevin Durant, a Kevin Durant who continues to prove people wrong, 
who is just putting up ridiculous numbers. And it's getting shadowed, overshadowed, I think, by a lot of the younger superstars that are emerging in this league. And for some rightful reasons, they have. there's a lot of players in the league that are doing absolutely ridiculous things right now. But what can't be ignored is that Kevin Durant is having a historic season, MVP caliber season. And regardless of what the Nets' future prospects are, regardless of even what they do this season in a championship contender or, or not standpoint, we are and we still have the privilege to witness gr- the greatness of Kevin Durant on a night in night out basis. And I think that's something to be proud of at the very least. That's one of the broad points I've been making Hudson is that, you know, all that transpired made me more appreciative that Kevin Durant plays for the team, but just, you know, to continue to speak on the season he's had, we know he can shoot the ball. We know he can score the ball. He's also, I believe the most effective pick and roll ball handler in the league when it comes to points per possession off of that. So he's orchestrating offense as well. He's doing about everything to a, as high a level as he's ever done, really, defensively as well. He's played very well defensively. So I, I just want to make it clear that Kevin Durant, KD, you are getting your flowers here. You know, we're not, not holding back, not waiting till you can't smell them. Bask in it. Breathe deeply. The floral aroma is yours, at least from my perspective right now. Now, I know a lot of people that listen to Talking Nets probably also listen to KD's pod, the Etceteras, and Eddie Gonzalez, who we have had on the pod, friend of mine, hosts that with Kevin Durant, and he goes right at him. Uh, a couple episodes ago, he's like, you're leading the league in turnovers. And I remember on Talking Nets talking about how KD said, hey, I get double teamed, I get trapped, I'm going to have turnovers, deal with it. And it's like, hey, bro, you can still clean it up. Um, also, he's got a lot of text. Alex, throw up the tweet from today with KD explaining his technical foul. So uh, shout out to uh, BKN, Brooklyn Nets 85 on Twitter. Nets Twitter is very familiar with uh, this logo and this account. And they've been getting responses consistently out of KD. I think this is the third I've seen this year. So BKN 85 writes, KD's text getting annoying. He's five away from getting suspended for each one. And then KD replied this morning and said, I want to say seven of my 10 texts have been for me talking talking loud to the refs, talking too loud to the refs, not even using foul language. I'd scream, yo, that's a foul, and boom. Yeah, and I understand that because he's KD, right? So KD, they have to check KD because KD is KD. They can't let KD talk any kind of way on the court, even if he's not using profanity, because they got to keep everybody else in check, keep everybody else locked in. Now, something I feel about with this, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving-led team in year three is that this is starting to look like what we want it to look like the whole time. I wish we never traded for James Harden. I wish that never happened. Uh, I was cool with Katie and Kyrie. I thought that was enough. Um, There's just one basketball. Remember we were having that conversation? There's only one basketball. How are they going to make it work? They, They ultimately didn't make it work. But what's happening right now is what... The outside world, not the Nets world, didn't want to see. What's happening right now is a team with the longest win streak in the NBA, seven in a row, a team that has won 11 out of their last 12, led by two guys that are villains. They're villains in the NBA. KD is forever hated for um, leaving leaving OKC, going to the Warriors, and then leaving the Warriors and coming to Brooklyn. Um, No one was talking about a trade request. Last night, no one was talking about, hey, why don't the Warriors try and trade for KD last night? That was the conversation in the summer. And also with Kyrie, you know, I've defended Kyrie so much. 
It's exhausting. I, I saw this guy, Rick the Ruler, in one of our comments on the last video, Bulls fan. Like, we're attracting people from all over the NBA, not just Nets fans. But he had hella shit to say in the comments. Like, we stand with Kyrie always. No, we don't, bro. When you compromise other people, when you hurt other people, we don't stand with anyone blindly and just say, oh, we stand with you, with you always. So there was a huge distraction with that. I had Steve Summers on my radio show uh, Tuesday night. Steve Summers is a legend, the one I technically replaced. And we had a caller ask him about the Nets. And I wasn't going to ask Steve about the Nets, but Steve is Jewish. He was celebrating Hanukkah that night. And it was like literally an explosive, like a bomb dropped into my show. Steve's like, I don't support them. Kyrie's an anti-Semite. They should have cut him. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't trying to go this way. So with all of those things, you know, considered, people hate the Nets. And the last thing they wanted to see was another super team be formed. The last thing they wanted to see was KD and Kyrie get their way, get their own team and succeed. It took a few seasons, a couple missteps, a fired coach, different rosters. And now you actually have a roster that KD and Kyrie can succeed with. And they know it. You can tell in their body language. You can tell how they're talking to people. And we're not even talking about this Warriors game because the Warriors got absolutely cooked last night. They got cooked in the garden. They got cooked in BC. Let's play the clip from Kyrie talking to a fan who paid all of his money, right, to sit right on the floor as a Warriors fan in Barclays Center and watch them get ran out the building. Step to the side, please. Thank you. That's okay. You got to guard me and I got to guard him. Oh, 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 so that was last night at the game. I was supposed to go to the game, but I don't get to really sleep consistently anymore. So I had to nap. And by the time I woke up for the nap, I couldn't make the trek to Barclays Center. And I was glad because Kyrie was out with a calf injury or calf tightness, soreness. So what you just saw, shout out to Nets Nation, Clutch Points, um, who clipped that video and, and repurposed it. What you saw was Kyrie Irving talking to a fan that said to him, uh, wait, wait. What happens if you have to play against Steph or wait till you have to play against Steph? And Kyrie is talking to him in street clothes and he's like, it's even. He got to guard me. I got to guard him. So it's even like, what are you trying to say? And then KD slides over and he's like, congrats on that championship y'all won last year. I'm proud of y'all. But like looking at the current situation, that doesn't matter anymore. There are always going to be Warriors fans in the garden and in Barclays Center when they come to town. They are the dynasty of the last decade. They are the team that young people watch. They're the team that bandwagon uh, NBA fans have picked up, similar to the Bulls and the Lakers and the Celtics and, and other eras. Um, last night, I think the, the Nets made a loud statement that, like, they're, they're, they're here and, like, the Warriors can't keep up with them. And the Warriors are covered so differently in regards to the Nets, right? Because the Warriors are the they organic won, team. Yeah, they're they've, the champs. They've also, they've also the won that drafted. four titles. They, they, they've won the championships. They're the darlings. Everyone loves them. But right now, they got some turmoil. Um, I put out there, and I'm going to keep putting it out there, right? Draymond punched Jordan Poole. That was a sign of things to come. All they want to talk about is the negative energy that Kyrie brings and the lack of chemistry that the Nets are going to have. Uh, can we play the clip from the Brooklyn Brigade now? 
My guys. So you even hear a little kid, Draymond punched you. Shout out to the block, the Brooklyn Brigade, holding it down, trolling Jordan Poole at the line. What do you got, Robin? Well, the, the benefit of the doubt is earned, not given, right? And the Warriors have the benefit of the doubt because they're fresh off a championship, because they won a title before KD. They won a title now after KD. They were unbeatable with KD. That's the, the reason people had a problem with KD going there. You know, a 70, you put a, you know, an MVP in a 73-win team. Yeah, one of the beat them, join them. Yeah, one of the best remember. players of all time. Uh, the Warriors don't look good right now. Uh, you know, the, they're getting blown out by a lot of teams. I won't completely write them off until that happens when they're fully healthy, but it doesn't look good as far as it goes with a repeat. But part of that um, stuff you played before is is the enigma that is Kyrie too, right? Because Kyrie has earned a lot of the criticism he's gotten. Sometimes people then can take it overboard or or, or whatnot, you know, or you know, cover him in the, in the media because he gets clicks. I, I get all that aspect of it too. Um, he hasn't exactly had success post LeBron when it comes to winning. At the same time, when he did play Steph, it was even. Maybe it was even it was even in Kyrie's favor in 2016. I mean, Kyrie got the best of that matchup in 2016. He gave both Steph and Clay the business. So we know what what Kyrie is capable of on the highest level. As far as revisiting the, the James Harden trade, which you brought up before, I don't like to, to go backwards and everything because a lot has changed since then. Because I mean, look at Jared Allen's a terrific young player, but if, if Jared Allen was still here, would Nick Claxton have the opportunity? that he's gotten. Ben Simmons is now here and a part of, of this team as a result of that trade. And another stat, I brought up the KD stats earlier, but another stat that I thought was pretty telling, the numbers are actually now positive with Claxton and Simmons on the floor together, which is a testament to the direction the team's heading in. And then I don't think you could say enough about Jacques Vaughn because what Jacques Vaughn has brought is a level of accountability and leadership. I think one of the reasons, and you know, you got to cross your fingers, knock on whatever's in front of you. Uh, you know, that Kyrie has played at the, the the level he's played at, not just that, but the way he's played since he's c came back and within the team is, is because of Jacques Vaughn's presence. I think the mentality of the team, their mindset is partly due to Jacques Vaughn's presence. And then again, he did it last night. I, I keep bringing up those timeouts. Like he'll call as soon as he doesn't like something, he'll call a timeout before he lets it spiral out of control. Something KD complimented him about. So I think, you know, him as a steward, him as the kind of leader of the team in ways as opposed to just the coach uh, can't be overstated. Yeah, I, I will say, though, I do think we we've almost fallen into our own trap here a little bit of discussing, you know, the comparisons of, well, you know, when when Kyrie played against Steph in 2016, you know, Kyrie came out of the better of that matchup, you know, the, all, all of these broader picture Nets versus Warriors things, you know, I, I, I tend to like that. But in this instance, I want to almost take a narrower view. We played a team and, you know, Steve Kerr said it himself, a team that's at rock bottom, right? A, a team that is not in a good spot right now with their personnel, with the way they're playing, with their results. And the Nets came out and absolutely stomped them. That is what good teams do. That is something that the Nets have not always done, obviously, across their history, but particularly within this era. You know, I've watched Nets teams, you know, have random players on the Hawks before they got good. I, I forget who it was, but I remember it was a couple years ago. They had some like two random players on the Hawks drop 30 on us in a close game. 
the Hornets always have seemed to give us trouble for whatever reason. And you have to beat the teams that are in front of you and you have to beat them convincingly, you know, and that's exactly what the Nets have done. And taking a, a narrower view of this, they played a team that is playing poorly, that is not in a good spot, and they absolutely stomped them. And so, you know, uh, of course, I want to give all of my credit to Jacques Vaughn and to Katie and to the way this team is playing. But, you know, the the broader picture that I see is a team that can convincingly beat the poor teams that are in front of it. And that's half the challenge, because when you are at the top of either conference, Eastern West or just the NBA as a whole, most of your games are going to be against teams that are worse than you. And if you can get out of those games comfortably, particularly without playing Kevin Durant, you know, 40 minutes a night, because we have Jock Vaughn has even talked about that being an issue, you know, the better the Nets are going to be for it in the long term. And right now, and I know we're on that edge between are they quality or are they contenders? But if they are going to be contenders, if they are going to make an impact late in the playoffs, not just in the first two rounds, they have to be able to beat the teams, the worst teams that are in front of them and get out of those games healthily. And that's what they've been doing, man. Uh, you know, you thought they were going to potentially lose to the Pistons. They pull it off. Didn't think they were going to lose last night at all. I couldn't get into the game. Nine guys in double digits. Could have been 10 or 11. Uh, Utah had eight and Markeith had had nine. And everybody else pretty much was in double digits. Cam Thomas, five, but he only played nine minutes. Um, another interesting thing, but we don't have to get into it, is that too, right? Um, so, you know. You got to give credit to Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn has figured out the rotations. He's figured out how to literally change this team from what they were lacking last year. What were they lacking last year when they got swept by the Celtics? Size. KD talked about it. You got Goran Dragic out there with Bruce Brown and Patty Mills. Like, you don't stand a fucking chance. So, like, now you're seeing them run out KD, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren, Utah. Even Edmund Sumner is a bigger guard. Like, they just have more length and more size and more depth, honestly. And we talk about them beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Well, they did that last night. Uh, KD had this to say about not playing on Christmas. Christmas is coming up. We always use Christmas as a measuring stick for the NBA or, like, you know, a checkpoint. Now we can start looking at teams. They're not playing, and KD knows the reason why. In the way you've played pretty much all season, you think there's people regretting now maybe you're not playing this weekend? Uh, yeah, Knicks Nets would have been great Christmas Day matchup. Um, that's what you're talking about, right? Any place having you on the schedule, but yeah, certainly that would. So be. a Christmas game, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's probably some people, especially with the way Knicks playing, the way we playing right now. I felt like that would have been a perfect matchup on Christmas. Hopefully, we can get that going forward. But um, yeah, I probably do have. Um, it's responsible for us not playing on Christmas. Uh, what went on this summer, but hey, it is what it is. We play on the 26th. That's close enough. Close enough for me. I would like them to be on Christmas, but you know, KD's self-aware. He understands that when they were putting you know things together and making decisions in the summer, he requested a trade, and everybody was praying on the Nets' downfall. Then everybody was, "Oh, this is a disaster. This is the biggest failure in NBA history. They got to trade KD now." Uh, he, he's sick of Kyrie. He doesn't like the owner. He doesn't like the head coach. He doesn't like the GM. But fast forward to where we are now, uh, and I like KD's demeanor. I like the way he's gone about his business and leading this team. None of that stuff from the summer matters. None of that stuff is, is relevant at this point. 
But I'm fine with not playing the Knicks. Shout out to the Knicks. Their losing streak just ended, or their winning streak just ended. They lost last night to the Raptors, but they've been playing better basketball. I can't wait to see them and beat them again. And uh, coming up here, you got obviously the Bucks, which is a big test against a good team. They lost last night to the Cavs, who the Nets play on the 26th. Uh, there's going to be a quick test here. Back-to-back games. They're not a back-to-back. It's um, obviously the Bucks tomorrow. Friday and then they got the weekend off and then Monday they play the Cavs I think they can match up just fine against these guys and it's going to be a, a, a early test I hope Kyrie is good to go with the Cavs sort of I think he will be and I know everyone fears Giannis and who's going to stop Giannis but you know these are early litmus tests these are early samples of you know what we hope to see in a potential playoff series or later in the year what do you guys think about the Bucks series coming up or not Bucks series the Bucks game coming up and the Cavs game coming up, this little uh, mini test that the Nets are going to face here. Look, the, the games don't actually matter that much, but it would matter to me to see them win one of those games or both of those games, and, and then that's when I would start to turn. Part of the reason I, I keep going back to the quality versus contender thing is because I want to be able to brag when the Nets do well rather than have people go at me for you know hastily projecting the Nets as, as championship winners and all that. But you know, eventually, it's nice to beat all these teams like Hudson mentioned, and I think he was spot on with that point but you want to beat the the big dogs and and the real teams in the league nobody's stopping Giannis it it is what it is but Ben did a a good job against him the last time out and when you look at the the talent on the the Nets Keith I mentioned this before you you talked about the the size but you know that's part of the rotation decisions Jacques Vaughn has made as well You, you don't have Seth Curry playing hardly at all you don't have Patty Mills playing hardly at all you don't have Cam Thomas playing hardly at all so they're not sacrificing the shooting, though, because of the way Yuta shot the ball, the way O'Neal is shooting the ball. He's had a good season. Um, and, and Joe Harris is still in the rotation there. Those are three shooters who are on the bigger side. So it allows the Nets to be a bigger, longer team, especially in conjunction with KD and Claxton and, and Simmons. Right? That's, that's a lot of length, uh, a lot of size, if not traditional big man size. And then y- y- the Knicks, too, like – Credit to the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau, I, I, I don't know why he was getting criticized early in the season. I always thought he was kind of maximizing the, the, the oh, roster Oh, this is there. New York. Everybody yeah. gets criticized. But <laughs> they, were, they were winning as much as I, I think could be expected. Jalen Brunson's had a really nice year for them. Uh, I, I thought that was a good signing for them. Uh, Julius Randle's having a, another good year, representative more of two years ago than, than this year. You know, got guys like Quentin Grimes um, contributing. But let's be real. The, the Knicks are not in the same stratosphere as the Nets when it comes to talent. They shouldn't be in the same conversation. You know, that's the kind of team that the, the Nets really uh, should be insulted to be compared against. They should be compared against the Bucks and the Celtics. And when it comes to intrigue, that's where you're missing out on Christmas. I think, you know, from the, the larger standpoint, the national purview, the Nets are, if not the most interesting team in the league, right there. Yeah, and, and I think honestly, like you're right. Of course, there's the the narrative historical aspect of why it would be fun for the Nets to play the Knicks on Christmas. But you know, one thing I will say, Keith, I know you really enjoyed your your trip over to Great Britain and Boxing Day, that is 26. That's their biggest sports day of the year, arguably. So you know what? I'll I'll take that. Maybe maybe it'll be a big international day for international Nets fans. Nets world, Nets worldwide. But one thing that, you know, I I really think about this team going forward, and I think you kind of see that in uh, the conversation that KDU was having there about how this, you know, might have been his fault. It it made me think about the differences with the way I think about this team from now 
going back to the summer, even before uh, the trade request. And it makes me think of a narrative that's kind of been kicking around the NBA for a long time. And you see it particularly with LeBron, you know, the GM, you know, he's he's the real person manipulating teams. He's he's in charge of the way the team's growing, the, the personnel moves. Particularly, you saw that um, with Tyron Lue and every time the Lakers have an offseason, honestly. And I think that Steve Nash and I know we don't want to talk about his, you know, the, the corpse of the coaching career of Steve Nash. That was this Nets team for the past couple of years. But I think he fell into the trap of trying to, you know, let the stars play. And him being a star himself, you know, he always thought you could you'd let your stars get out of it. And and I know we've talked about this with Jacques Vaughn before, but he almost coaches like a high-level college coach where he has a certain uh, measure of control over the team, whether it's just calling timeouts when you see, you know, the sideline huddles at a timeout. He's he's clearly got everybody's attention. And I think they're, they're, it really can't be understated, not only the tactical changes that he's made, but the cultural changes he seems to have made within the Nets. You know, it, it's not a dictatorship, but it's clear that he has a stronger hold on, you know, respect in that locker room. And I think that's the kind of thing that, again, looking bigger picture, like Robin said, these games don't necessarily matter all that much on their own. Looking bigger picture you want to see how he acts and how the team reacts against these better teams going into the playoffs, because he's someone that I trust to be able to say, if, even if we lose these next two games in embarrassing fashion, when it does come time to play those teams in the playoffs, I expect him to be able to say, yeah, we didn't beat them in the regular season, but here's how we can improve that. Here's how we can change that. And I expect the players to respond. So I think from a, a coaching perspective, these next games are going to be really interesting as well. Got to keep it going. It's it's a good time to be a Nets fan. I just keep the, hope they keep winning, keep the faith, faith, keep it positive, and keep away from the distractions. So far, so good with Kyrie's return. And being the holiday season and in the holiday spirit, let's show what Kyrie continues to do for people without ever mentioning it on a microphone. So I think we already talked about the um, girl, the third one down, but I'll go through them. Six days ago, he gave $50,000 to Little Twigs GoFundMe. Uh, December 12th, he donated 50000 to uh, the family of Jaheem McMillan GoFundMe. 16-year-old black boy who was shot and killed by police October 6th in Mississippi. Same day, he's on GoFundMe spreading the wealth. 22000 to Destiny Thompson, the student at Howard University. In uh, November, he gave a total of 130000 in donations um, to the family of Shinquella Robinson, an American woman who died in Mexico under suspicious circumstances. Terrible story if you have heard about that. Uh, also last month, he gave 50000 to the family of Devin Chandler, one of three University of Virginia football players who was killed on the bus, and I'm sure you guys have heard about that. So Kyrie is, Ky Kyrie is quietly helping – his people, his community. Kyrie is quietly got a go GoFundMe account or a bank account that's connected to GoFundMe where they're just trying to find, like, I don't know, they're trying to find people that need a little bit of uplifting, that need a little bit of support. And Kyrie is, is sending them thousands of dollars of his money. And uh, I don't know, I commend him for it. I think it's it's something that you don't see all athletes do. But when someone does it, you should highlight it. Uh, I think people should talk about that just as much as they want to talk about flat earth or anti-vax or anti-Semitism. Um, the guy has his own beliefs. He has his own thoughts and opinions. But at the same time, he's not a complete villain as he's painted to be. Uh, I'm not saying you got to defend him. 
uh, like I have or other people have. But I'm saying you just got to recognize the good that he adds to the world and not act like it's all bad. Um, anything you guys got before we wrap up? Robin, I know you got to run. Um, and I do have some voicemails. So if you got to take off Hudson and I can handle them or I can just, you know, play them dolo. Just, just on the Kyrie point that you mentioned, um, you know, not everything's binary, right? Like life can be complex. And, and, and uh, you know, Kyrie uh, has obviously done a lot of good stuff out there. And then he, I don't think any of the things that, he's done necessarily make him a bad guy or whatnot, but he can inflame situations to a point or, or uh, inflame the drama uh, around a, a team. And he's done that um, plenty of times as well. I, 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 as much as anybody hope it stays status quo with, with how he's, he's handling himself right now, how he's playing right now, because you can't front on, on the guy's ability and you can't front on the way the, the team is playing. So I, I've never begrudged him for being his own guy or, or doing his own thing. It's just how he handles specific things sometimes. As long as he keeps playing and doesn't, I don't know. I, I'm happy with the way his, his, his response to the anti-Semitism thing. Going just fine just, right now. As long as he um, keeps doing what he's doing. Alex, uh, the last two things from the chat, the quote from KD about him and Kyrie, if you have that screenshot it, Kevin Durant, as told to Yahoo Sports, in quotes, he says, they take us for granted, me and Kai especially. We got to jump through a hula hoop of fire to be impressed. Like, what what Kevin Durant is doing right now, I was just reading on uh, NBA.com that, like, he's doing historic things right now. Let's see. At a 36.1%, Durant is having one of the worst three-point shooting seasons of his career. But fast forward, the article says more. I don't know why I started with that. Um, through Wednesday, but through Wednesday, he's an amazing 126 for 220. That's 57.3% from the mid-range. That isn't just his best mark or the best mark among 64 players who have at least shot 50 mid-range attempts this season. It would also be the best mark for any player with at least 200 mid-range attempts in the last 25 years. And they go on to break that down. If you go to um, NBA.com and you look at the Power Rankings Notebook, by uh, Justin Schumann, there's a whole blurb in the number two spot talking about his mid-range mastery and how he's getting buckets there at an all-time rate. So, yeah, I guess they are taking him for granted. Uh, I guess, you know, Katie and, and Robin has said it and Hudson has said it and I have acknowledged that Katie is one of the best players ever. I've had arguments with people on WFAN about how when Kevin Durant hangs it up, he's going to be in the GOAT conversation. He's going to be amongst the goats. I know he might not have five, six rings, but like when we're now factoring in what guys do off the court, and then when we actually look at what he did, his numbers and everything, his impact in totality, he's he's one of the greatest of all time. So I don't take him for granted. Um, let's play these voicemails. If you guys got a split, go for it. Anybody else in the chat have questions or anything that you want to add as we wrap up the pod? Do that as well. Uh, let me make sure my Bluetooth is connected and working here. And we'll see what you guys are talking about on the line. It's 929-500-103. Uh, I know a few people have um, left voicemails. I think at least three people have left voicemails. No, we got two. Let's play them. Hey, what's up, Keith? It's Saturday. After watching last night's game, you think the Nets actually is going to be championship contenders or what you think? We need a couple more games, but I'm starting to feel like we, we could some contenders. Tell me what you think. 
yeah. I think we alluded to that a little bit. Like, it's early, right? It's not Christmas yet. But I think we're all talking about this version of Katie and Kyrie and the Nets in this era. If there ever has been a team with a chance to build on their winning, building on their success, um, chemistry building, uh, the roster, the chance to improve the team at the deadline. Like, yeah, why they're supposed to be. You're not supposed to have two top 75 players on, on the team. I know Kyrie's not in it, but we all know that's a joke. You're not supposed to have two top 75 all-time players on a team and, and be talking about maybe they'll be a, you know in the mix for the playoffs. No, they got to be at the top. And now we're starting to see who is who, what is what. The, the Sixers are trending up. They've won six in a row, I believe, with Embiid. Um, when you're looking at the East, it's between Boston, who Boston, I, I just don't know what's going on with them right now. They got smacked by the Celtics, but not like blown out by the Celtics, but the Celtics beat them in back-to-back games in, in, or um, the Celtics. The Celtics beat the Celtics. The Magic beat the Celtics in back-to-back games on their floor in the, these little home-and-home series. Then the Pacers walk into their building and beat them after losing to the Knicks. So something's it, going on with them right December now. It's December 22nd is what's going on with them right now. Yeah, they're, you checking know, like, out for, <laughs> they're checking out for Christmas. But they're such a strong unit. Like, John Morant was asked by Taylor Rooks, you know, who do you watch in the NBA as your competition? Who do you think you have to go through? He said the Celtics. She asked him, anybody in the West? He said, nah, no one in the West. So – yeah, we're thinking that the Nets can be contenders because they should be contenders. Yeah, they they have to be contenders. You know, at the end of the day, I I still think the fact that there was a time this season where we were talking about blowing it up. I mean, obviously the Kyrie stuff was its own uh, aspect of that. It's it's unfortunate, but the Nets have to be contenders. They have to play better, and I think. You know, not only is now the time now, I mean, it, it, it seems to be that Kyrie might be gone after this season. You know, it's certainly win now mode. It seems to be that we have all of the pieces to do so. And from another standpoint, and although the Nets have grown, although the Nets have grown their stature and their brand globally and everything, I still think the fact that the Nets, if it were to end today, have only done gotten to the second round once. And that's all that they've been able to do so far with this team is would be a bit of a disappointment, would be it would be an embarrassment, in, in my opinion. So we do need to contend. To your 10 in Brooklyn, it's about time. This Nets world has been built. The fans want to see a long run to the Eastern Conference Finals and, dare I say, the finals. Last voicemail before we wrap up. Hey, what's up, Keith? What's up, Robin? Hope you're having a good day. Um, name Izzy. Trace uh, in here. Um, Nets is, a, is really doing really good right now, man. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of improvements we can make to this roster. Um, I'm hearing John Collins is trending, so maybe we go ahead and get John Collins. If you get John Collins, um, maybe you can go ahead and get a vet center because I feel like getting a stretch big at this point would be too difficult. So um, my idea is Hassan Whiteside, man was known for blocking shots and grabbing a whole bunch of boards. What's y'all thoughts, man? Appreciate y'all. Peace. I feel like we might have heard this before. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, nah, he's not, uh, no, he's not the answer. <laughs> not this phase of his career. To be honest, though, I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think the Nets need to add that much. I, I mean, from what we've seen, you know, that the top level talent is there. The depth is there. I, I just Let don't think you the Nets are in desperate need of adding that much. So, so Izzy called, and you can't see this, but at the top, um, his number is there twice, the 347 number. I think that's the BX. Shout out to Izzy. 
I played his voicemail from last episode, not the voicemail that he sent for this episode. So that's why you've heard that's that. That's not why side take still doesn't make much yeah. sense, though. Yeah, but no, yeah. like we uh, we've already spoken on it. Here's what he sent in for this episode. My bad. That's all me. Hey, good morning, Chief Rob Hudson. Hope y'all all doing well. Um, good win yesterday. Really blowout win. I know they didn't have uh, Curry and Clay, um, but I'll, you know I'll take the win regardless. We got the Cavs. No, we got the Bucks tomorrow. Um, let's go at them, please. Um, I'm begging the Nets to play hard. Um, I really want to see how good Doc Vaughn is. It's probably going to be his greatest challenge yet. Um, and I just want to see what we're going to be able to do. Let's go Nets. Brooklyn. I think they're catching the Bucks at the right time. I mean, you just mentioned it. Uh, look, it, it's uh, Hudson said it before. Um, Keith, you've you've mentioned it. I've I've danced around it. This is it, you know. And and if Kyrie wants to be a part of this team, the Beyond this season, this is the moment to prove that. You know, if KD wants to, um, you know, solidify himself even higher on the hierarchy, what's the way he can do that? Winning with the Nets, right? Because he's one of the greatest players of all time, sure. But, you know, there are levels to this, as a great philosopher once said. If he wants to be on, on an even higher level, winning here. Um, the rest of these guys, if, if they want to, you know, be a part of something special, th this is the moment for it. And th there's no reason when you look at the landscape of the league. There's just no there's no dominant dynasty right now. There's no team that cannot be beaten. So um, I think heading into the holidays and heading into the new year, uh, it, it's worth putting that energy in the air that th there's no reason we shouldn't believe that the Nets can compete. Yeah, and not for nothing. I mean, if you look at the Bucks, right, there's no real plan. There's no real thing that and most anybody can do in the NBA to stop Giannis. You know, theoretically, you can beat him to his spot, build a wall, but it's not really going to happen. But just in the same way, no one can stop KD, right? So we we got to have those two players at the very least cancel each other out. And Robin, I liked your point about Kyrie. It, it's going to be important to see how Kyrie can can accent KD and how the rest of the team can accent KD against particularly the Bucks. I, I think that'll be a really interesting thing to watch because I think it'll come down to players not named Giannis and KD. Just got to watch out for Dirty Giannis and Dirty Grayson Allen. <laughs> I'm not worried about uh, Javon Carter's revenge game coming up Friday. Um, I'm not worried about uh, who else are, are they running out there in Milwaukee now? Uh, Brooke Marjan, Lopez, Drew Holiday. Or Boochamp. Brooke Lopez, all respect for B-Lo, former Net. He's going to do his thing. Uh, Drew Holiday, all respect for all the Nets fans that wanted to trade for him for years. We'll see. We'll end on this, man. It's okay to dream, and it's okay to look around the league. This is why you follow the league like you follow the league. This is why you're a fan. Some of you listening are diehard fans. You're not casual fans. You have league pass. You follow the whole league. You're watching other podcasts. You're watching other shows. You're watching NBA Today. You love the game. So we all love the Nets. We all love the game, and there's a long time to go. But I'll say this. It's a good feeling to see the Nets not have any catastrophic injury right now, um, not have any big distraction right now, not have Steve Nash right now, not have any team cancers that are quitting on the team right now. It looks like a team led by two NBA veterans that know they've been in the league a long time. They don't have that much time left. This could be their last year together. So they are going all in. And as a fan, you're there, you're supporting the team, and you're just hoping that they keep it going. That's what I'm hoping for. 
I got to get back to Barclays Center. I definitely will um, in the new year. Anything you guys have to add before we wrap this up? Nah, happy holidays to everybody out there. I hope everybody is safe, happy, healthy, uh, doing okay mentally, physically, spiritually, all that. Uh, truly wish the best to everybody out there. Ditto. Happy holidays, everyone. Subscribe to the pod. Like the YouTube video on your way out. Thanks to everybody in the chat that pulled up and threw questions out there and kept the conversation and the community going. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week. I'm going to take us out solo, Robin. I think we got to go back to the solo just to deliver the let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Brooklyn. We out.